So, Father, thank you that um, we have all this going on. Thank you that uh, this fellowship around the word is so sweet. Thank you, Lord, that it does fill us with joy um, as we talk with one another and, and as we hear you speak. It's just an amazing family, Lord, to belong to, and we're so grateful that we have been born into it and that, that, and that you have given us this wonderful inheritance that we can draw on even now. So I pray, Lord, as we go into this final session, that we would stay awake, that we would um, uh, just, yeah, be uh, still listening to your voice and, um, and just trusting that you have something for each one of us individually and for us corporately, Lord, as the body of Christ. And I thank you, Father. I thank you for um, everyone who's here. I thank you that you tell us that we have a purpose and uh, there's meaning for our lives. And I ask, Lord, that you would help us to really lay hold of that today so that we leave here knowing that, that there's a plan and a purpose for our lives and that, um, and that we have work that you created in advance for us to do and that that work will fill us with joy. So I thank you, Lord, for all of that, all that you've shown us so far and all that you will show us in this last session. And I praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, okay, so Galatians 5, verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. Stand firm then and do not be subjects again to a yoke of slavery. Um, Paul's um, instruction, God's instruction through Paul that we would know freedom and that we would stand firm in it. Um, and as I think I said in the last session, that though we are to fix our eyes on eternity, though we are to understand that we have an eternal destiny, that we, we don't belong on this planet, we are to feel strange here in many ways, this is not our home. Nonetheless, we are to live now in the assurance of what is coming. And that takes practice, that's what freedom, uh, fighting for freedom will be about, how to live in the now, um, whilst being assured that um, we have eternity and how to hold on to this freedom. Um, in Ephesians, in the very next letter along after Galatians, um, Paul's prayer at the end of the first chapter is really a, a good way for us to, to look at, at freedom and um, to see again, really, the reality of knowing Christ personally and, and all that that means. And Paul includes in his prayer, some of that. And so we're going to, I'm going to read from verse 1, actually, of Ephesians chapter 1, all the way down to the end of the chapter. So if you um, just read along with me, or follow along with me. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus, and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, 
with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you, while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. Um, amazing verses, aren't they? Just absolutely amazing verses. And, um, and in those verses, Paul lays out for us the reality of all that it means to be born free, to be born in the family of God. And at the end, he includes us in, in that we might experience as a present tense reality this surpassing great power that is at work towards those who believe. That, that, that we would really experience that, know that. He says, um, uh, I pray that the high eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know the inheritance of the states, uh, sorry, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of power towards us who believe. And that word know, again, means know by experience, that you will experience the surpassing greatness of power that um, is at work towards us who believe. And... Um, and when you hear his prayers, especially in Ephesians, Paul has two amazing prayers in Ephesians. We'll read the other one later, but in the one from chapter 3. But this one in chapter 1. When you read his prayers, you see how different our prayers are to his. How differently we pray. We don't pray the way Paul prayed. And I, I, I think that's because we don't believe as Paul believed. We don't receive as Paul received. And we don't live in the certainty of what he lived in. He knew. He knew God. He knew that these things were his and that no one could take them from him. He knew that he was free in Christ. 
He knew that the old had gone and the new had come. He knew it by experience, not just because he was told, but because every day of his life he lived out the reality of that truth. When we pray, when you pray mostly, your prayers are requests. My prayers are requests, I have to say it. Mostly when I hear believers pray, we pray for things. Even really good things, very often. But we pray that God would do something for us. Give us something that we need. Paul almost never prayed for something. He almost always prayed thanking God that he already had it. He already had everything he needed. He didn't need to ask God for things. He needed only to praise him that God had already provided. When he prays, I know that God will provide all my needs, all your needs in Christ Jesus. I know that he will provide everything you need in Christ Jesus. Now, it's not that we aren't to request things. Of course we are. It's not that we're not to come to God and say, you know, uh, for our daily bread, as Jesus will say. But I think the vast majority of our time, when we're praying, it would be good to pray as Paul prayed and to thank God for what we believe he has already done, given us the things that we already possess. Because when we do that, we are telling God that we believe that we are an adult son, an adopted son of God, that we belong to his family, that we know we have this inheritance that we can draw upon all the time, that we really don't need to come to him hat in hand, asking him for something that he has freely given us in Christ Jesus. It glorifies God when you believe you have everything you need. It glorifies him when you trust that you have the strength that you know you're going to need this day. So when you wake in the morning and you say, Lord God, this is what I've got going on today, and please give me the strength and help me through this day. I'm not saying God isn't pleased with your prayers. He wants to hear your voice. But I honestly believe that if we can come to him and say, Lord God, thank you that you have gone before me this day, that you have already made my way forward, that you have already planned everything that I need, that you have already provided all that I need in Christ Jesus. Help me to lay hold of it. Help me to lay hold of the provision that you've already made. That's the, the way Paul prayed. That's the way Paul prayed. Um, when we say, I hope, or you know, the word hope in the New Testament, we always say, oh, I really hope that this happens, and I really hope that that happens. That's not the Bible. That's not the biblical word for hope. The biblical word for hope means I know this is coming, and I just can't wait for it to get here. I know that Christ is my hope. He's not my wishful thinking, let me have a bike at Christmas. He's the reality that he is coming back for me. And I just long for his appearing. So all of our thinking has to change. Understanding that we're born free. I know that most of you here know what it means to be born free. We know. We know we're born into freedom. 
This is not new stuff. We've just covered old ground. We've said the same thing that you've heard many people say. You've read the verses. You've read them a million times. You probably were tempted several times to fall asleep because you could miss this bit of 15 minutes because I've heard this before. Because we have heard this before time and time and time again. We hear this, but we still pray, Lord God, please give me this. Please help me with that. Please strengthen me here. Please, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to cope. Lord, what, you know, I just don't know which way to go. And all of the time, God is saying, trust me, hold my hand and follow me. Just trust me. Where do you find yourself today? Where are you today? Have you trusted that I am in control of your life? Have you surrendered your life to me? Have you said that your, my will is your will? Then if you have, trust that you have my will. Whatever the circumstance, whatever it is, however bad, trust that I am there with you in the storm, that I am in your boat, that I'm not getting out, and that I will be all that you need. That's what it means to live in freedom. It means to live believing that God is who he says he is and that he will do everything he says he will do and not build for yourself a cage or a castle that you can hide behind, but to trust him that he has everything already taken care of. It's so difficult, isn't it? It's so difficult to live in that place because we so much of our humanness pulls us out. So much of us. I'm praying for my sister at the moment. Many of you know this. My sister has um, <clears throat> non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, very fast growing. It's happened in two months. She is really bad. This week is crucial for her. Um, it's, if she makes it this week, then they can start chemo. But she's so poorly that they're not sure that they can do that. And I'm praying, 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 praying. My sister doesn't know the Lord. And I'm praying for her, Lord God, please save her. Lord God, please heal her body. Lord God, please do this. Until in the end, I, feel, I, I, I get tired of my own pleading with God. And I realize, what are you doing? Praise you, God, that you love my sister more than I could ever love her. Praise you that you are doing everything to call her name. Praise you that she is being obstinate, but you will keep loving her and you will keep calling her. Praise you that we live in this place where she can go and get treatment. Praise you that she is part of a family that loves and cares for each other. Praise you that you've done all of this, that you knew this would happen, that you knew from the day she was born that she would face this day and you have called her name every day. Praise you, praise you, praise you, God, that you are allowing me to be a part of your work towards my sister. And my prayers changed because I want to honor God I want to tell him I believe that he has this situation and that no matter what happens, he has this under his control. I want to live in the assurance of that and to know that I know that I know that he is taking care of her, of me, of the whole family, that I am powerless, but he is not that he can do all things and that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't want to pray prayers begging and pleading for something that God has already done. I want to pray prayers of victory. I want to be able to stand 
and have angels rejoice at the prayer of that tiny person down there who's trusting her God. That's how I want to be. I want to be someone who's, who's trusting God. And you do too, don't you? You do too. That's in you, that desire to be like that and to stand firm and to praise God, that's in you. Well, you have to practice that. Paul practiced it. He practiced it in shipwreck and when he was flogged and when he was imprisoned and when there were no, no one would stand with him, he practiced the praising God despite the circumstances of his life because he knew that God had already provided That is how we live in freedom. That's how you live in freedom. In all of the stuff that we've talked about before, all the legalistic stuff that we add to it, that is the work of the enemy to keep us bound up and to forget, keep us forgetting that that is true about God. You and I are victorious in Christ Jesus already. Already victorious. And we have to stand in that victory. And Paul prays here, expecting God to act. I pray that you would know what is the hope of his calling, the confident expectation of the fact that God has called me into his family, the riches of his inheritance in the saints and the surpassing greatness of his power towards those who believe. That is what it means to stand in freedom, to stand on the truth of these things. Psalm 42, I've got a little note here. I'm, I'm, strangely, I'm, I'm preaching tomorrow at a church in Wimbledon, and um, I'm going to preach on Psalm 42. I don't know if you know Psalm 42, but it's one of my favorites. And there's just one verse. Don't worry about going there, because you'll get there and I'll be gone. So. It's um, Psalm 42. Why are you in despair, O my soul, and why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Um, The psalmist who wrote Psalm 42, and I think Psalm 43 is the same psalm, he's writing, why are he's talking to himself, why are you in despair, and why are you disturbed? Get a grip, get a grip. Remember who God is. He is this person. Was it? He says, hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. He is the help of my countenance and my God. He is speaking to himself, speaking to himself. Do not allow yourself to become disturbed or despairing about your circumstances because God is your God and he lives within you and he will never fail you never fail you. And he has more than you need for every situation that you will ever face. And being born free brings you into that that family. It brings you into that place. If you go back to um, Ephesians um, and you just think about that, think about who you are in Christ Jesus. Who am I in Christ? I am someone he has chosen before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. Do you think if God has decided you're going to be holy and blameless that you're not going to be holy and blameless? 
Do you think there would be any way that you could stop being holy and blameless if he's decided before the foundation of the world that you would be? Ruby, she's going to be holy and blameless. She's going to stand before me with the righteousness of Christ covering her and she is going to be so full of joy when she does. That's a decision God made long ago before Ruby ever became a believer. He has decided that every single person who puts their trust in him will be holy, will be blameless, will be righteous. And I know that there are parts of you screaming, yes, but what about if I do this? And what about if I do that? And how can that be true? And my answer to you is a scream back. If you have put your trust in God, he is bigger than you more powerful than you, and he has decided. He has decided. He knew you before the foundation of the world. He has marked out your life. He has plans and purposes for you that you cannot imagine, and he is at work in and through your life. And you may feel useless and afraid, but he is mighty to save, and he will do it. He will do it. And these verses promise you it. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all of them working together to do with your salvation. Every member of the triune God at work towards you. I mean, could you ever ask for anything better? Nothing, nothing could be better. You are included in Christ Jesus and you are being brought into the fulfillment of his plan and purpose. Not just for your life, but for the church and for the world. Your life has more significance than you could even imagine. Can you, if I said to you, you know, oh, I wish I was like Sue. You know, God the Father, he chose her to be holy and blameless. God the Son died for her. God the Son was raised from the dead for her and has given her new life. And God the Holy Spirit lives within her and he's helping her do this and do that. You would all be jealous as all get out, wouldn't you? You'd all be saying, I want to be like Sue, I want to be like Sue. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit at work towards me, towards her. I want to be like her. And God says, we are all like her. Christine and Keith, he is at work God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, making you into what he wants you to be, using you for his glory. Can you you slow him down a bit? Yeah, maybe. You can stamp your heels and dig your heels in, and this far, no further, I'm not going on. This is too hard. Yes, you can do that for a little while. But do you really think you can defeat the Holy Spirit who lives within you? You cannot. You cannot defeat this God. So what do you think our response would be to this? To the enormity of this, that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are all at work in and towards you, that their surpassing greatness of power is even now at work towards you. What's your response to that? 
yeah, praise you, thank you. And oh Lord, can you get me out of the way so that you can keep going? Can you take away all of my stuff? Can you just get rid of it? Can you show me this, this cage and that cage and this bar and that bar? Can you please show me what I am putting in the way of your work so that I can just surrender it and repent it of it and get rid of it? That's what we need to do. Got trust that God is at work in you and through you. And then say to him, Lord God, I just don't want to get in the way. Help me not to be in the way. Help me to, to just align my thinking with yours, to, to trust that you are doing everything that you're doing. Ephesians chapter 2, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that we would walk in them. Do you think God is not aware of who you were? Do you think that he doesn't know what you did and what you thought? He knew. He knows. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. He knows the sin you're going to commit tomorrow. He knows the unkindness that you're going to have tomorrow and the lack of grace you're going to have the day after. He knows the gossip you're going to be involved in. He knows all of those little things that you are dealing with in your life. He knows about them and he is saying to you, you are dead to that now. I have made you alive in Christ Jesus, and I have a work for you to do. Will you just put your hand in mine and walk with me? Will you just walk with me and believe, receive the reality of all that you are in Christ? That's your question. Will you believe? All that you are in Christ. And that's a serious question. Will you believe that God created work in advance for you to do? Will you believe that he knew everything about you and he still created that work? Will you believe that he sees beyond your failures and your weakness? That he sees beyond your sin? that he sees a glorious, wonderful future for you and that he is at work taking you through it. Will you believe that he has something particular and significant for you to do? And will you do it? Will you do it?
What does it mean to you that you are in Christ Jesus? What does it mean that you are in Christ Jesus and that he is in you? What does that mean? You are forever in Christ Jesus. I mean, I just don't think we're ever going to even scratch the surface of what that means. Where is Christ? Now, he's seated at the right hand of God, and he is here by his Spirit. I am in him, and he is in me. I am in him, and he is in me. I am surrounded by him. He has brought me into glorious, glorious, glorious freedom. He has chosen me to praise him. And he has adopted me as his son and given me full inheritance in him. You have a new identity. I can lay aside everything of my past and stand in freedom and walk in freedom. God's will for you and for me is that you enjoy the freedom that you've been born into. We struggle even to receive it. Let alone enjoy it. He wants us to really enjoy that freedom, the new identity, the fact that he's transforming us, the fact that we belong in a different place, the fact that he knows everything about us yet loves us anyway, the fact that he's surpassing great power is at work towards us. And if you go back to Galatians, Galatians 5, it was for freedom that God set you free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject to a yoke of slavery. Keep standing firm. You know, this is a really strong command, the way it's written in Greek. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. Therefore, keep standing firm. God wants you to enjoy your freedom and not to be yoked again. Think about that. How much time do you spend asking God, where should I live? Where should I work? Who should I marry? What should I do? Is this ministry right for me? Is that, is, is that thing, is, should I be doing that thing? We spend all that time asking God about all of those things and God's instruction is, will you stand firm in your freedom? It doesn't really matter much where you live. It doesn't matter what job you do. It probably doesn't matter much who you marry. Only that you do it all to honour me and glorify me. It doesn't matter. I mean, I can't tell you how long I've spent trying to decide where I want to live, where God wants me to live. I mean, it's just become like this huge thing. It's this life of its own. You know, it's just crazy. Craziness and distraction. Distraction. Where shall I live? It's just complete nonsense. God doesn't mind where I live. 
He only minds that I live for him and that I stand in the freedom that he's given me. I don't know what's consuming you. What question? What job shall you do? Where shall you go to church? What, shall, you know, what small group shall you belong to? You know, shall I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what my ministry should be. Shall I go on mission or shan't I go on mission? Well, I don't really know what to do. Oh, Lord, please show me, please show me, please show me. And all the time God's saying, live in your freedom. Stand firm in your freedom. Understand who you are. Praise me for all that you already are. All that you already are. And that freedom is expressed how? Just to make sure you're still there, still awake. How is the freedom that you stand in? How is it expressed? Joy, joy. Okay, so just tell me about where you live. Just take my little thing that's been going on for two years. Um, <laughs> uh, how, what do I do about that then? Where shall I live, Lord? Oh, okay, don't worry about it. Thanks, Ken. <laughs> hmm. I don't know, will he? I keep asking. Hmm. Hmm. Yes! <laughs> Janet, shame on you. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I'm afraid, yeah, go ahead, Margaret, go ahead. I know, oh, come on, don't quote scripture. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're both right, actually, because, you know, it took me ages. I'm a very slow study, but I finally realized, Lord, I'm asking for your will. You want me to have your will, so therefore this must be it. Oh, Diana! <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 yes. I know. Right. Right. Well, but that's the same sort of thing as I'm saying. I'm trusting that God will show me clearly when I'm to move. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time now, keep saying, shall I move? That's exactly it. Thank you, Diana. Yes. So <laughs> I'm standing in that freedom. Acts 17, 28. I shall look that up. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Okay. So we are to live with joy and to live with power. I'm going to finish with the, um, the last prayer of um, Paul, or the second prayer of Paul in, um, in Ephesians. And, um, yeah, and to really pray that you receive this, that we all receive it, actually, for ourselves. Ephesians chapter 3. Um, Ephesians 3, sorry, I've turned too far over. Verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, 
that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Father, I thank you for Paul's prayer, and and that's my prayer at the end of this day, that we would... um, that we would understand the depth, the height, the length and the breadth of the love of God that surpasses knowledge, that we would really believe the things that you have told us about ourselves, that we would receive them for ourselves and that we would walk out of here in freedom. Lord God, I thank you that we are born free. I thank you that we have been made free by the blood of Jesus. I thank you that you loved me, that you loved us so much that you gave Christ. I thank you, I thank you, Lord God, that you chose that I would be adopted as your son, fully grown adult son, and able to lay hold of the inheritance that I have in Christ. I praise you, Lord God, for all that you have done and all that you have promised. And I ask you, Lord, to help me to lay hold of it all, to surrender to you, every bit of myself, anything that might get in the way. And I pray that for all of us, Lord. I pray it for all of us, that we would be able to just come to you in complete surrender and say, Lord God, we believe. We believe. Help me to live in the freedom that you have bought for me in Christ Jesus. Help me to live for your glory, Lord. And Father, I know that you will for that is your promise to me in Christ Jesus. So I praise you for this day, Lord. I thank you for everything in it. I thank you that these, we all came together and enjoyed fellowship around your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit who lives within us and who connects us as family. And I pray, Lord God, most of all, that you were honoured by our coming. And I want to say, we want to say we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>